My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. On today's program, we're going to be thinking about one of the things that more Christians struggle with, perhaps, than any other thing, and that is guilt in our lives over sins that we have committed in the past. And maybe today you're really struggling with guilt. Maybe you're struggling with some sin that you committed a long time ago, and maybe you've asked God to forgive you of that sin a thousand times, and yet you just can't seem to get free from that. You just keep thinking about it, keep beating yourself up over it, keep wishing you could go back in time and undo that sin. But of course, we can't do that. Life doesn't work that way. Or maybe for you, it's it's not a sin from a long time ago. Maybe it's a sin that you committed more recently, and you're thinking, how could I have done that? And how could God ever forgive me? And how could God ever use me again in light of that sin that I've committed? And so today, what we're going to be doing in this program is looking into the Bible, God's Word, and we're going to be thinking together about what happens when we confess our sins to God, when we ask Him to forgive us of whatever it is we've done wrong, when we repent of those sins, and when we turn from those sins, what happens to those sins? Does does God kind of remove them? Does God kind of forgive them? Does uh, what, what really happens? And I think most of us who believe the Bible, we know in our minds anyway that God does forgive our sins. But what does that really mean? What does it mean when the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin? My prayer for you today is that God would take this message and that God would use it to encourage you and to help you to understand the truth about forgiven sins, and that as you listen to this message, if you have guilt in your heart and guilt in your soul, that God would deliver you from that even today. Thanks for listening, and I hope the message will be a blessing to you. I heard a story years and years ago about Billy Graham and how one time he was driving through the mountains of North Carolina, and he was driving too fast, and he was speeding, and a police officer had his radar gun on, and he saw this car going by, and it you know, it, it gave the signal that he was speeding, and so the police officer pulled him over, and sure enough, it was Billy Graham, and so the officer gave him a ticket. And so in a few days, Dr. Graham had to appear in the uh, court there in the, in the town where he lived and either, uh, you know, argue and say, I wasn't speeding, or pay the fine. And so the judge had read over the docket before that day, and he noticed that Billy Graham was going to be in his court the next day. And he felt kind of like, man, this is, this is kind of awkward because I've long been an admirer of Dr. Graham, and, and yet he, he's, this is what's going to happen. So the next day, Dr. Graham came to court, and the judge got to that part on the, in, the, in the itinerary, and he said, okay, uh, Billy Graham, if you would please come and stand before the bench. And so Dr. Graham did, and the judge said, Mr. Graham, according to our records, the police officer says that you were speeding. How do you plead? Sometimes a person will contest that. I think the judge was probably kind of hoping he would contest it and say he wasn't really doing it. But Billy Graham was very honest. He said, Your Honor, I, I was speeding. And when that police officer pulled me over, he did the right thing. I was just going too fast, and, and I'm sorry, and I'm here today to, uh, to pay my fine. I plead guilty. Well, the judge, when he heard him plead guilty, had no choice but to say, Okay, case closed. And he 
took his gavel and he hit the stand there. And then he said to Billy Graham, he said, if you'll go, sir, to the clerk's desk right over there and you can pay the fine. And so Dr. Graham went to the clerk. He was getting ready to pay the fine. And in that moment, the judge who had long loved and admired Dr. Graham from a distance did something I've never even heard of a judge doing before. He stood up. He took off his robe. And he walked down the steps. He met Dr. Graham at the clerk's desk. And he said to the clerk, I would like to pay his fine. He said, I have loved this man for so many years. I've listened to his preaching. He's blessed my life, blessed my family, blessed millions of people. And so whether it was $100, $200, the judge paid his fine. Now, when I heard that story, I thought to myself, there is no better illustration in the world of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. As a holy judge, God has looked at our lives. And God has said, you have fallen short. You have missed the mark. And not only that, you've crossed the line. And so I find you guilty. But as a loving God, what has he done? He has stood from behind the bench. He has removed his robe of royalty. He has descended the staircase to earth. He has put on human flesh and skin and bones and blood in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has paid our sin debt. And so what I want to understand when it comes to guilt, that thing that you feel guilty about, your first sin, your worst sin, or your most recent sin, all of those sins have been paid for in Jesus Christ. And if you have come to Christ to the door of forgiveness and freedom, that forgiveness has been applied to your account. Now, you hear that and you say to yourself, okay, I believe that. I mean, I think everybody here today believes what I'm saying is true. God forgives our sins. And yet, most of us, or many of us, if we were honest, would have to admit that sometimes we still struggle with guilty feelings over things we've done, and Satan comes along and he accuses us, and he reminds us of all the horrible things we've done, makes us feel really bad, and he can put us in bondage. And so it's an interesting dynamic to me that while mentally we all agree that when we came to Jesus, he forgave us of our sins, and yet experientially, for all practical purposes, sometimes we're just in as much guilt as somebody who's never even been saved. And so what I want to do today in the message is I want to mention five things that happen to your sins when you come to the door of Jesus Christ. When you come to Him asking Him to forgive you. Because I think, you know, what Jesus said in John chapter 8, in fact, my dad's preaching on it tonight, not talking about guilt, talking about other things. But remember what Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you what? Truth shall set you free. And so I think if we understand the truth about what happens to our sins, and I've already explained some of it, they've already been punished, so you don't have to pay for what's already been paid for, and then it, they've even been forgiven from you. But if we can understand what happens to our sins when God forgives us, I think the truth of that could set us free. And here's what I know. The devil would have everybody here today listen to this sermon about being free from guilt, and walk out of here saying, yeah, everything he said is right. And yet, you, before you get to your car, you're still beating yourself up over some sin in your past. God would have us listen to this sermon today and use our brains and think and hear what the Scriptures say. And say, you know what? Not only do I agree that that's true, but it's true for me. 
So Jesus not only paid for the sins of the world, he paid for my sins. And when I came to Christ, not only did he forgive them, he's done all these things that we're about to learn about. So I'm not going to belabor any of these, but I want you just to get a feel for what happens to your sins when you bring those sins in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ. Number one, God cleanses our sins and removes the stain. God cleanses our sins and removes the stain. Isaiah chapter 118, God said this, come now and let us reason together. God says forgiveness is reasonable. It's rational. It makes sense. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You see, even 700 years before Christ came, God was saying, it's still reasonable for me to forgive your sins because one day Jesus will die. Old Testament people lived on that side of the cross. We live on this side of the cross. But it's the cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus, that forgives all of our sins no matter which side of the cross we live on. God said, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, listen to this, from all sin. All sin. Every, that's a little word, but it, means, it covers everything. All sin. I took a shirt to the dry cleaners a few weeks ago, and, and I picked it up, and I noticed it had an ink stain on the, on the shirt. And I didn't remember noticing the stain being there when I took it. I would never tell anybody this publicly. I think the cleaners put the stain in the shirt. No, I'll probably put it in there, but they were unable to get it out. And the lady pointed it out, and she said, well, we've got a stain. She said, let us run us through the the wash again. I said, okay. So the next week when I was there, she said, let's look at your shirt. And she took the, the covering off and, and she said, well, the stain's still there. She said, let us run it through the wash again. I said, okay. And so I went back the third week and she, the shirt was a white polo button-up shirt. And she said, let's see if the stain has been removed. And she pulled the thing up and looked at it. She said, well, it's better. But she said, if you can, she was so honest. She said, if you can look, the stain is still there. And I said, yeah, it is, but it's, I said, you know, in the grand scheme of life, who cares? Who's looking at me that closely? I don't even care. And so I just went ahead and, and took the shirt home. But I think sometimes we have the idea that our sins are like that stain. Yeah, it can get kind of gone. It can get a little bit better. But no matter how many times I pray and ask God to forgive me, that stain is still there. Friend, best news of the whole message right here. There is no stain that the blood of Jesus cannot forgive. He removes the stain, and he takes it away. Second thing that happens to our sin, not only does he cleanse our sin, remove the stain, write this down. God cast our sins behind his back. God cast our sins behind his back. In Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17, that's what it says, that God cast our sins behind his back. In other words, when you come to Jesus and he forgives that sin, one of the things he does with that sin, he takes it and he throws it over his head. And he says, that sin is no longer an issue with me. Whether it was your first sin, your worst sin, or a sin you committed last night, it's behind his back once you confess that sin to God. And then a third thing God does, God throws our sins into the depths of the sea. Micah 7, 19 says that. It says, God, you cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And Corey Ten Boom, a great Christian from a long time ago, she said, when God puts our sins in the depths of the sea, he also puts up a sign that says, no fishing allowed. Because how many times after we've confessed those sins, do we go back to God and say, God, I'm so sorry for that. But God said, hey, remember now, I've cleansed you of that. I have removed the stain. I've cast that sin behind my back. It's not an issue. Where'd you throw it, God? In the depths of the sea. And just like if you went out into the Gulf today and you poured a gallon of Kool-Aid in that 
in the Gulf of Mexico or even way out if you went out into the Atlantic Ocean, it would only be a matter of time until the waters of the Gulf absorbed that Kool-Aid and you couldn't even find the red Kool-Aid that you poured in the Gulf because there's so many waters out there that it's just absorbed it and it's taken the Kool-Aid away. Well, that when God says, I've cast your sins into the depths of the sea, what is he saying? He's saying, I've cast your sins way out in the sea of my forgetfulness, and the blood of Jesus has absorbed those sins. Those sins are gone. And then the fourth thing in the Scripture, it says, God blots our sins out. He blots our sins off the record. Isaiah 43, 25, that's what it says, that you will blot out our sins. That doesn't necessarily mean a lot to us, blotting out. But in Bible times, the people who read that, they knew exactly what that meant. Because in Bible times, if you went to the store or to the market and you wanted to buy something, you could do just like you do today. You could buy it with cash or you could pay for it on credit. And if you chose to pay for it on credit, the the man who owned that store or the lady would get out a wax tablet. And that person would get a pen or a sharp knife, a writing utensil, and write your name, John Redmond. And he owes 75 shekels for whatever it is that I have bought. And so two weeks later, I come back in there to pay my 75 shekels. And that store owner goes back and gets that wax tablet. And he gets that writing utensil. And he just begins to smooth over where it says 75 shekels. And he blots it out. And so when he gets finished blotting it out, all it says there is John Redmond. It doesn't say 75 shekels. He blotted that out. You can't even see where it was written. Now, that's what the Bible says God does with our sin. He blots it out. Friend, this is a liberating truth I'm teaching today for those of you struggling with guilt and just can't seem to get over and beyond it, that whether it was your first sin, your worst sin, or your last sin, if you have come to Jesus Christ with that sin, He has forgiven that sin, and He's blotted it out of the record of heaven, and when He looks at your name, He doesn't even have a record of that sin. Think about what I'm saying. God cleanses our sin. He removes the stain. He casts that sin behind his back. It's not an issue with me. He throws it in the depths of the sea where that sin is absorbed with the blood of of Jesus. And then he blots it out of the record of heaven. He has no record of that sin. That sin that you sometimes struggle with and feel so badly about. God has no record of that sin. And then the fifth thing that God does with with our sins. God forgets our sins. Again, Isaiah 43, 25, you will blot out our, our sins and our transgressions and you will remember them no more. God says, I will remember your sins no more. You see, God, since he is God, can do something you can't do, something I can't do. He has the ability to forget. Now, we don't have that. After the service today, if you and I get in a conversation and I'm rude to you, And tomorrow I call you and say, yesterday at church, after we got in a conversation and I was rude to you, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And you would say to me, John, I forgive you. But the fact is, you probably wouldn't forget that. Now, maybe in time you would, but not automatically because we have the ability to remember. But God has the ability not only to remember, God can make himself to forget, and he forgets our sins. So what I'm saying today, what God's Word is saying to those here, and we all struggle sometimes with guilt, but we need to be reminded that God doesn't even remember that sin. One lady went to her pastor. She said, Pastor, I feel so badly about this sin. And he said, if you ask God to forgive you of it. She said, Pastor, I bet I've asked God to forgive me of that sin a thousand times. 
And the pastor said, well, if you've asked God to forgive you a thousand times, the last 999 times you ask him, he doesn't even know what you're talking about because he forgave it the first time. So what I'm saying is, since Jesus died on that cross to pay for our sins, and since that forgiveness has been applied to us, if we have come to Jesus, it is illogical, it is, unrash- it is irrational, and it is unreasonable for us to beat ourselves up over something that is no longer an issue at all with God. Now let me ask you a couple of questions. How many of you here today would say that you have sinned in your life. Would you please raise your hand? If you don't raise your hand on that, we got a problem. we got a big problem. How many of you would say, since we all said we've sinned, how many of you would say that sometimes, even now, you feel guilty about those sins? You know God's forgiven you, but sometimes you still feel a little bit guilty. Just raise your hand. Be Okay, look. This is why the Lord put on my heart last Monday, preach a sermon on guilt, because it's we all, and I would raise my hand to we all struggle with this. Now, here's the question how are we going to deal with that guilt? How are we going to deal with our sins? Well, there are only two ways the world's way and God's way. The world's way and God's way. What is the world's way? Well, the world's way, it has lots of facets to it, but the world's way is either try to minimize your sins, deny your sins. Throw yourself into something else, a hobby or something, so you don't have to think about your sin. Many times the world's way is drink your, drink your sorrows away. I think a lot of people, and I get this. I don't condone it, but I get it. I think a lot of people drink alcohol and even take drugs to try to kind of just get their mind off of what they're feeling guilty about. Yesterday afternoon I was driving down Spencer Highway and I looked over on, on one of the establishments there on Spencer. It's called the Second Chance Saloon. Now, don't worry, I didn't pull in there. I thought one of the deacons might <laughs> see me and take a picture on his phone, and then I'd be in trouble. I didn't pull in there, but I thought, Second Chance Saloon, and I've seen that, uh, that bar before yesterday, but I saw it again yesterday, and I thought, you know, if I didn't know anything about God or Jesus' forgiveness, or if I'd never been to church, or, you know, I, I just knew, I might not even know the name sin, but I just knew I'd done some bad things in my life, and I thought, man, I'd like to have a second chance. And I drove down Spencer, and I saw that. I, I might just pull in. Now, I'm not, I, it would be wrong, but I'm just saying, if I didn't know anything about God or Jesus or the blood of Jesus, you know, I, I just thought, I, just, I need a second chance. And here's a, I would think to myself, well, they're offering a second chance. They're not going to judge me. You can't get judged at the second chance alone. I mean, nobody's going to condemn you there. So, like, I, I mean, again, I don't condone it. You say, was church good today? Yeah, John sent us all to the second chance saloon. That's not what I'm saying. Stay away from the second chance. I'm just saying I don't condone it, but I get it. I understand if somebody didn't know what we know about Jesus, how they might go to something like that. But, you know, if you go to the second chance saloon tonight and you say, i got to just drink my sorrows away and kind of medicate my mind and get it off on something else. Let me tell you what, when you sober up in the morning, you're going to have the same guilt you had for those sins that sent you to the saloon. And the only thing is now you're going to feel worse because you got drunk the next night. It's, just, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. So the world's way of dealing with our sin doesn't work. But what is God's way? God's way of dealing with our sin is to recognize when Jesus died on that cross, He took the punishment for our sins. And if we will come to Him in repentance and faith, He will apply the blood that He shed on that cross to our particular case, to our individual sins. And those sins will be cleansed, stained, removed, sin behind His back absorbed in the depths of the sea by the blood of Christ, 
off the record in heaven and out of the mind of God. Now, friend, if our sins have been dealt with that thoroughly, here's my question today. Why in the world are we feeling guilty? I was thinking last week, of course, with all the excitement and the talk about the Supreme Court and all that's going on there in Washington, I was thinking about a a case that made it to the Supreme Court back in the 1800s. One of the most interesting cases I've ever heard anything about. In fact, it was so good, we put it in our little booklet on forgiveness several years ago. Let me just read you a paragraph. In order for forgiveness to be ours, so you can hear everything I'm saying today and walk out of here and not have received this forgiveness. We must accept it. If we don't accept it, we won't be forgiven. In the 1800s, there was a man named George Wilson who had been convicted of a very serious crime. He was later sentenced to be hanged. In a tremendous act of mercy, President Andrew Jackson issued him a pardon. To everyone's amazement, though, George Wilson refused to accept the pardon. No one knew what to do, so the case went to the United States Supreme Court. After much deliberation, Chief Justice Marshall spelled out the court's decision in one of the most bizarre cases in American history. Marshall wrote these words, A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. And sadly, he was. He was hanged because he refused to accept the pardon that had been extended to him. And so here was a pardon issued by the President of the United States. And all he had to do was to say, I accept it. And he could have walked out of that prison and he could have walked into freedom and lived a wonderful life, but he refused the pardon. Why did he refuse the pardon? We don't know. Maybe he just felt so badly he thought, no, I'm just getting what I deserve. Why do people today refuse to receive Christ's pardon? Maybe they want to just pay God back. Friend, what I'm saying to you is today, Jesus Christ has paid for every sin, your first sin, your worst sin, your last sin, and all you have to do today is come to Him. He's the door to forgiveness and to freedom, and if you come to Him today, Those sins will be thoroughly dealt with, and you can go from here with no guilt in your heart or in your mind. Well, there really are only two ways to deal with our sins, and that is the world's way and God's way. And God's way is that we would come to Jesus Christ asking Him to forgive us, just confessing those sins to God and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want to turn from those sins and go in a different direction. And if you've never done that, would you just pray this prayer right now? Say, Lord Jesus... Come into my heart and forgive every sin that I've ever committed. God, make me a Christian. Save me today is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And friend, if you just prayed that prayer, all those things that we've been talking about on the program today just happened to your sins. They have been cleansed. The stain has been removed. Those sins have been cast behind God's back into the depths of the sea. They're blotted off your record, and they're out of the mind of God. And so that means any guilt that you feel going forward over those sins is not of God. It's of the devil. God convicts us to lead us to repentance so that we can be forgiven. But after forgiveness has taken place, God would never again convict us of a sin that he has forgotten all about. So that's satanic 
condemnation. And when you feel that, you just say, Jesus, thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm saved. Thank you that sin is off the record. And you just walk on. Honor the blood by living like a forgiven child of God. I'm so grateful that we have Rick Lipsy with us in our studio today. Rick is a faithful member of our staff and has been on our church staff for over 20 years. Rick, tell them about our website and some things that, that might could bless them there. On our website, which is peacebybelieving.org, you can find a lot of helpful booklets. It's under the spiritual growth section of our website. And in there, particularly dealing with today's topic, there is one called Finding Freedom Through Forgiveness. Also, if you prayed with John at the end of the program, we ask that you contact us right there on the contact page. Let us know that you accepted Christ in your heart. We'd love to follow up with you and give you some more material. Thank you again for listening today. Well, we do want to thank you for listening, and we've been so blessed by some of the feedback that we've gotten from people in different parts of the nation. We would sure love to hear from you this week if the program's been a blessing, and I hope that you'll be with us next time.